coming up next on Contemplate. It's great to talk about reason. It's great to talk about why we believe what we believe. Those are important things, but they're just the beginning. On the other side of that is this whole world of being empowered by the Holy Spirit and seeing what the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth can do. I believe in those things. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. You ought to also. You ought to also. He's still working. He will still work. I believe it. Do you? That was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington, and this is Contemplate. Today we're looking at the healing of the lame man in Acts chapter 3. This was a serious miracle, as Peter pulled up a guy who had never walked and believed without a doubt that he would. That's something. So how does that happen? Can it still? Here's Pastor David with today's episode, recorded live at Axe Church. It's not that you have to have money. It's not that you have to have money to do something good for somebody. You don't have to have money. You have one other thing. You have something that Peter had, and every follower of Christ since him has had. You have the power of the Holy Spirit and the power in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You have that, just like Peter had it. There's no difference between you and Peter in terms of your ability to walk in and act in the power of the name of Jesus and have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, it may not mean that you're going to see people healed like this all the time, okay? Um, I hope you do get to see something like that, but, but who knows, right? You may not get to see something quite as amazing as this particular healing, but you can see the power of the Holy Spirit, and you can see the power in the name of Jesus Christ work, and sometimes it's just by listening to somebody. Sometimes it's by praying for somebody. Sometimes it's babysitting somebody's kids. Just coming by and just laying hands on somebody, showing them that you love them, and just saying a prayer that they'd be healed of whatever it is that they have, or that their heart would be healed, or they're going through something difficult emotionally. Sometimes that's what God's trying to do through his power. Sometimes it's just a text message or an email. Hey, I'm thinking about you. How are you doing? And the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of Christ can be there in those moments when you don't even know what they might do for that other person. You do not have to have money to make a difference. You have something better than money. Remember, this guy had gotten plenty of money. He had been at the temple. We're told later in the story he's over 40 years old. So he had been sitting there at the temple, assumedly probably for decades. Plenty of people had come by and given this guy money. It wasn't money that this guy needed. It was something completely different. So he, he knew what he wanted. He looks at them expecting money, but he got what he needed. Let's look at Acts 3, 7. It says, And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So we see Peter here reaching down and taking this guy's hand and picking him up. Now, he is doubling down on his faith here. Because it's one thing, if I felt the Holy Spirit saying, Tell this guy that in my name he's going to get up and walk. Okay, and I actually built up the courage to face uh, the fears that I would have to do that. Once it happened, I would kind of probably just keep walking and be like, did he get healed or did he not get healed? Right? Did it work? Peter doesn't do that. He like doubles down. He's like, nope, I'm going to come down and pick this guy up. Now, I just want you to imagine what he's thinking. If this guy does not get up and I pull this guy up and he falls down, this is going to be embarrassing. 
This is not going to make me look good. This is not going to make the church look good. I mean, there had to be all kinds of fears that were going on for Peter. It took an incredible amount of faith for him to do that. Because if you go down and you do some guys in a wheelchair or whatever, and you go and you pick him up, and he falls down, it's a little embarrassing. People might not think you're a very nice person, yanking people out of their wheelchair onto the ground, right? So Peter is taking a big risk, and you have to see it that way. You can't just be, you can't look at the Bible like a fairy tale, where magical things are whatever, and everybody understands what, no, Peter was a, a, was a dude just like you or me. Any, any person who's a human being, he would have had all the same kinds of fears that we would have had about doing something like that. So I want you to recognize the amount of faith that it took. The amount of faith that it took, and it was rewarded. It says immediately, immediately, the second this guy grabs, Peter grabs this guy's hands, his ankles and his feet become strong. The second that it happens. And I don't know um, what it was like for John sitting there with Peter, because if I'm rolling like you and one of you and me is rolling down and, and you start and we see a guy in a wheelchair or whatever, and you're like, in the name of Jesus, you're healed. I'm probably like, mm, do, 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 you know, I'm, I'm probably not wanting to, <laughs> I mean, if it works, I'll be like, yeah, man, good job. But if it doesn't, I'll be like, hey, all right, bro, I'll see, you know, because I don't want to be involved with you yanking people out of their wheelchair and having them fall on the ground. I don't want to be part of that. I don't know what's going on, right? So John is, I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what Joe, he's like, oh man, I hope this works, bro, because... I'm going to have some explaining to do with these people if it doesn't. I don't know. Maybe the Holy Spirit was also speaking to John and letting him know that this was about to happen, right? So maybe John's got the same kind of faith as Peter, but we don't know. Either way, you got to realize how much faith it took to make this happen. Let's look at verse 8. It says, So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. So this guy didn't just slowly sort of find his feet, Right? He's, this guy's never walked before, okay? You got to remember that. He doesn't know how to walk because he's never walked. I mean, he's seen people walk, but he's never used his own muscles to walk before. You guys have seen a baby learn how to walk. That's what it looks like to learn how to walk. The baby doesn't just like, hey, I'm one years old, whoop, and he pops up, leaps up, and starts running around. That's not what happens, right? You got to learn how to use those muscles. You got to learn how to use your feet, but that's not what happens here. This guy leaps right up off the ground, starts jumping around, crazy. Okay, he's, he's, he's healed. Now, this is important because this is a big miracle. This is not a small miracle. This is a big miracle, and it's a public miracle. It's happening in front of many, many, many people. And then it says that it goes into the temple with them. Now, this is interesting. There are some who believe um, that at this time, the blind and the lame were not allowed into the temple. There's some who believe that based on some historical stuff, which we'll get into here in a second, that people who were blind or people who were lame could not go inside. So this guy had never, if these, if these people are correct, this guy would have never been in the temple with his people to worship God. So it would have been not just that he got healed in his legs so that he could walk, but that he got healed so that he could go into the temple and take part with his people. He would have been ostracized away from them for all this time. Now, here's why people think that. There is a verse, 2 Samuel 5, 8, the end of the verse, call it section B, says, therefore they say, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. Here the word house in Hebrew could mean God's house or the temple. And this is actually, uh, this, this verse comes in in this portion of scripture where we're talking about David fighting Jebusites and all this stuff, but that's not the point of the thing. All it's saying is that's this part where David was doing this thing is where this saying came around. So there's really no question that there was a saying 
that said that. The blind and the lame shall not come into the house. And so probably at least at some point in history, they did not allow the blind and the lame into the temple. Probably. Okay? Um, scholars don't agree on this or know for sure. We don't know what the, whether the evidence is strong about that. But probably at some point. And some people think that it was all the way until the first century. So that this guy, as well as everybody else, and that's why we see them being brought to the gates rather than being brought inside. We see them being brought to the gates because they're not allowed to go inside the gate. Um, there's some other evidence for this. And uh, if we read Jeremiah 31, verse 8, we see Jeremiah possibly speaking out against this uh, system where the blind and the lame are kept outside the temple. This is what he says. He says, Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the ends of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, the woman with child and the one who labors with child together. A great throng shall return there. So he say, hey, look, there's going to come a point when the blind and the lame are brought back, brought back and, and get to go in the temple. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's what he's referring to or not. But the last passage is, is actually pretty strong, and I really like this. This is, this is Matthew chapter 21. Jesus is coming. Um, he's, he's coming, and he's coming to cleanse the temple. You probably remember this story. Let's start at verse 12 in chapter 21. It says, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now look at verse 14. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise? Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, and he lodged there. So we see Jesus coming in. We know what, we all know the story of the turning over the tables. And that upsetting the, the Pharisees, right, and the priests. But what it also says is he brought the blind and the lame into the temple to heal them. And that seems to be part of the story and part of what they're upset about. So it's very possible that this guy was not ever allowed to have been in the temple, which would have made it a very big deal for him to go in. We see this tradition of Jesus constantly turning the world upside down, turning the traditions of man upside down when they conflict with the ways of God. We see him respecting people of other races, the way, he, the way he talks about Samaritans, right? We see him honoring women. We see him questioning these traditions, these ungodly traditions in the temple. We constantly see him taking what they were doing and saying, nope, this is God's way. That was your way. This is God's way. So it fits very well with that idea that Jesus would have been for those who were disabled and would have wanted them in the temple. Now, I don't know if I'm personally convinced about whether or not that's the way it happened, but there are those who are, and I think it's very interesting. I think it's very interesting to think that this guy may have been in the temple for the very first time. You can just imagine being kept. You know, you have your people. These are your people. The Jews were insular people. They were, they were a group. They were a tight group. And this guy would never have been able to celebrate the things that were the most important to this people in going in the temple and, and, and being part of what was going on, the ceremonies that were going on there. So this would have been a big deal for him. Okay. In any case, this guy's headed into the temple and he's praising God. Says so he's praising God, right? You notice that the guy is not praising Peter or John. He's praising God. He understands immediately that the healing power did not come from Peter or John, that the healing power came from God in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He understood that immediately and he's very happy about it. 
Okay? We look in verse 9 and 10, the last two verses in this section that we're going to read. It says, And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Check this out. The people saw him, and they didn't say, Hey, is that the guy they knew? Instantly they knew. Why did they know? Probably because the guy had been there for who knows how many years. Same dude, same place, all these years. Just imagine you always saw this guy. You saw him, his legs were jacked up. He could never walk. He's been around for a very long time. You had always seen him sitting there, and then all of a sudden you see him jumping around. That's going to be pretty interesting, right? So you're going to know something has happened there. So we know that they knew that he was that guy. It was a big deal because this public miracle was gave Peter this kind of entree, this ability to be able to speak to the people because they were wondering what happened and wanted to know why it happened. So we're going to see as we move forward that Peter gets this opportunity to preach to a whole lot of people, to a whole lot of people. Why? Because it was a legitimate miracle. It was a legitimate miracle. How do we know it was a legitimate miracle? Because this guy could not have faked it. That was important. There's a reason why the Lord shows this guy at this time and this place to do this miracle with, because it could not have been faked. We see faith healers from time to time on the TV or whatever with the big hair, uh, shiny suits, and they're like, boom, and people are falling over and stuff like that. We're not going to do that here. Um, liability issues. Uh, or else we do it, because it looks fun. Um, but these guys, they do that, but we wonder, right, is that legitimate? This person who claims that they were, you know, crippled and now they can walk. Is that a legitimate healing that happened? Is that a legitimate miracle? We don't know. Well, here's the thing about this one. Everybody knew it was legitimate. This guy had been lame since he was born and he was older than Jesus. He's over 40. So it's not like Jesus could have like brought this guy in, you know, or these disciples could have brought this guy in and had him sit there for a couple of weeks and then, woo, look at, he can walk now. This wasn't like that. These people knew who this person was. Long before there had been these uh, you know, rumors about Jesus being the Christ, going around in Jerusalem, they knew who this guy was. So it was completely a legitimate miracle. And because of that, there was all kinds of opportunity, as we'll see, for people to come to know Christ because this gave them, this, this sign, this wonder, gave these apostles the ability to be able to speak to them. Now here's the point. Here's what's important that I really want you to remember. The Holy Spirit is still at work empowering the church. There is still and always will be power in the name of Jesus. Always. And what we see happening here is something we could see happening here. Miracles still happen. Healing still happen. God still shows his power through signs and wonders. He does. The Holy Spirit is still at work in his church. This church in Acts is no different than this church. This church is like the church in Acts. We are acting under the power of the Holy Spirit. You may not get to see a miracle just like that one. I hope you do. I hope you see greater things than that. But you may not get to see that. But the question you need to ask yourself is, what is this church that we're reading about? Who are these people? What's going on? Do we want a piece of that? Do we want a piece of that power in our lives? Do we, want a, do we want a piece of the kind of faith that it took for Peter to walk up to a dude in front of all those people and tell him to get up and then go grab him and pull, pull him up? Do you want that kind of faith? Do you even want that kind of faith? Because I'll be honest with you, I don't know that I do. Because if I have that kind of faith, he might ask me to do something like that and I might be really embarrassed or worried that it might not work, right? That shows you where I'm at. I gotta, I've got to work in, in my faith 
and in my trust in the Lord because it takes some real guts to have faith. Do you even want that? The answer is, of course. You need to want it because when you want it, you get to see things like this happen. And Peter did not just get to see this guy healed from this disability. That healing, that miracle went out in concentric circles and caused the church to grow and caused people to come to know Jesus. That's what we're here about. Look, we all have disabilities, okay? Our bodies don't work. The older we get, the less they work. We're in a fallen world. It's not really even about the healing, which is amazing. To see God make things new and make things whole is part of the picture, but it's, but it's just a part of the picture. The real deal is what happens here. The real deal is what happens when we follow Christ and, we're, and we're have, we have life. The church is about giving people life. And when we see the power of the Holy Spirit and and, and let him work, what it does is it opens up people's hearts to hear about Christ and receive life because that's why we're here. That's why we're here. And that's why we've got to be an Acts church. That's why we've got to be a church that's very, very serious about the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the name of Jesus. Okay? And having faith to believe. Having faith to believe that God can still work this way. You might ask yourself, how do I know? How do I know if the Holy Spirit is asking me to do something like what Peter just did? I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not afraid. I'll go up to anybody and start pulling people out of wheelchairs. But how do I know? How do I know that the Holy Spirit is telling me to do that? Well, here's the deal. It's an easy answer and a hard answer. It's, it's easy in the sense that it's just practice. But it's really hard in the sense that it's practice. Practice. In other words, you've got to continue to consistently be pushing in and pressing into relationship with God if you want to know what his voice sounds like, right? That means you've got to be praying and fasting and meditating on scripture, right? Reading the word of God, coming to church, being discipled, discipling others, pressing into community, knowing him, listening for his voice so that you know when you hear it. Or else, you won't be able to discern his voice from the sausage you had the night before. Right? Because sometimes when God talks to us, we're like, I don't know if that's him or not. Is it God? I don't know. I don't know if that's really what it is. Because why? Because we aren't tuned in on his voice. And the way we get tuned in on his voice is by really hard work. There is no quick way to it. There's no pill. I don't have a magic anointed prayer cloth for you for $9.99. Nothing like that. It's just work, right? How do you lose weight? Eat less and exercise more. Work. How do you do anything worthwhile? You work. Everyone will try to sell you a magic pill for it, but there is no magic pill. The Christian life is about discipline, continuously working day by day by day by day to know Jesus Christ more. And as you do it, what you find is you know him more. A little bit at a time. A little bit more scripture. Give me a little bit more. Give me a little bit more, Jesus, a little bit more, Jesus. And eventually, you can hear his voice clearly. And when he tells you something, it doesn't take a month of prayer to be able to decide whether that was really his voice or not. But you'd like Peter, you'd be able to act immediately. And we'll see throughout the book of Acts, that's what's happening. The Holy Spirit speaks, people act. Just like that. Just like that. That's how it happens. So we've talked a lot at this church about reason and logic, things like that. We spent seven weeks in a skeptics forum, some pretty high-level reasoning and logic, um, trying to figure out what you should have faith in. 
came to the conclusion, go figure, that we should have faith in Christ, right? Um, But this is on the other side of that. We use reason to get us to the point to make the most reasonable step of faith that there is to make. That's to knowing Jesus. But once you make that step of faith, this is the other side where faith starts to grow. You don't have to, to be honest with you, if you look at the facts as we discussed, it actually doesn't take an incredible amount of faith to trust Jesus for life. It's the most reasonable thing in the world. But this is the other side. Now that you're with him, now that you're following him, this is serious faith. This is trust fall faith, right? This is I'm letting go and we're going to hope that God catches me. Not hope, but believe that he's going to catch me. When Peter goes up to this guy and grabs his hand to pull him up, that's faith. I believe that this guy is going to jump up out of this thing, even though he's never walked before. That's, that's a whole new level of faith. That's the kind of faith that we need to be pushing towards. It's great to talk about reason. It's great to talk about why we believe what we believe. Those are important things, but they're just the beginning. On the other side of that is this whole world of being empowered by the Holy Spirit and seeing what the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth can do. I believe in those things. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. You ought to also. You ought to also. He's still working. He will still work. I believe it. Do you? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your power. Thank you for what you did for this man by the beautiful gate so many years ago. And I thank you for what you've done for so many others since then. But not just for healing, not just for helping these bodies, because we're in a fallen world, Lord. And we know we, we groan like all of creation to be redeemed, because we know you will make all things new. But God, we thank you for the lives that you've brought to yourself that you go out, even leaving the 99 sheep behind to go after the one, Lord, that you chased me down, Lord. That you chased me down and you brought me to yourself and I got to have life. I get to have life in you. And those in this room who get to have life in you, Lord, life. We can breathe because we're in you. God, I pray that if there's anybody in this room that does not know you, that they would today make the choice to follow you, to put the rest of it aside, to recognize that faith in you is where real power is. And we long for that day when we'll be fully redeemed and be with you. But until then, God, we pray for revival in this land. We pray to see signs and wonders that will bring people's hearts to be ready to listen, that they might hear your voice through us, Lord. Let us be your hands and your feet. Let us be your voice to this culture, to this community. Let us see revival. Let us see life. God, we love you. Thank you, Lord. Pastor David talked about discipline today to do the work of growing in our faith. And one of those disciplines is going to church. And if you're looking for a church home, let me invite you to join us this Sunday morning at Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington. You'll love hearing Pastor David in person, and you can get easy directions and all the info you need anytime at axchurchnw.org or call 360-885-9000. Hope to meet you this Sunday. Thanks for listening, and be sure and check out the next episode for more great Bible teaching here on Contemplate.